This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is value. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Today is Sunday, February 21st, and we welcome you to Word and Praise Radio, an extinction of the ministry of Redeemer Church of Clarkston. I'm Pastor Paul Edwards. We're so glad that you've taken the time to tune in today on Faith Talk 1500, where each Sunday afternoon at 1230, we feature the pulpit ministry of Redeemer Church. You can learn more about our church, our doctrinal statement, at RedeemerClarkston.com. We would love to hear from you. Our time together on the radio each Sunday is currently featuring a series from the 100th Psalm, and we are in verse 4. And we invite you to take your Bible now and open it and join the congregation of Redeemer Church of Clarkston in the 100th Psalm. One of the great indicators that you are numbered among those who have been genuinely converted is your gratitude to God, recognizing Him as the source of of everything in your life. Let me say it again. One of the great indicators that you are numbered among those who have been genuinely converted is your gratitude to God, recognizing Him as the source of everything, good and bad, in your life. One of the questions that I'm often asked, even by people who agree with my theology about the sovereignty of God, is how can I have the assurance of my salvation? How can I know that I'm one of the elect if it's ultimately up to God and not up to me? Well, number one, have you done what the Bible says to do? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Well, have you done that? You see, we we spend all of our time under the hood as it were, when we start talking about election and predestination and foreordination and foreknowledge, that's all under the hood stuff. You're not responsible to understand all of the ins and outs of election and predestination. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And a few verses later he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've done that, then quit worrying about whether you're numbered among the elect. You've done what God has commanded you to do. And that's all you're responsible for, is to do what God said to do. But secondly, after I have done what God has commanded me to do, one of the great indicators that I'm numbered among the elect, that I'm numbered among those who have been genuinely converted, is my gratitude to God for everything good and bad 
that he sows into my life, recognizing that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Am I grateful to God? The Apostle Paul states this truth negatively in Romans chapter 1, when he observed of the unbelievers uh, in Rome, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. This, by the way, is the word of God that was used in the life of John Calvin to convert him. Because he began to think, am I glorifying God? Am I thankful to God? And the Holy Spirit impressed upon him that no, he wasn't glorifying God with his life. And he certainly wasn't thankful to God. He was a successful lawyer, highly educated man. And he came to the conclusion, having read this verse, that he was giving himself credit for all that he had accomplished in his life. And he wasn't thankful. Now note that it says... What Paul says in Romans 1 is, when they knew God. Well, this isn't much different than what David is enjoining us to recognize in the 100th Psalm. He says in verse number 3 of the 100th Psalm, Know ye that the Lord, He is, what? God. This is exactly where Paul is in Romans 1. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Let me issue a word of warning to us this morning. It's not enough merely to know God. The devils know God. There are plenty of unbelievers who know God. I spoke with Christopher Hitchens on three different occasions, had the privilege of talking to this noted atheist on three different occasions. There wasn't anyone who knew God better than Christopher Hitchens. He was one of the best defenders of the Christian faith. He knew God, but he didn't believe in God. Uh, he, He certainly was one of the leading atheists of our time. Now, you're not, you're not to the extreme of Christopher Hitchens. You, you, if you're in this room this morning, you would not consider yourself an atheist in the way that Christopher Hitchens was an atheist. But in many ways, the, the way that we live our lives day to day in practice, you would think we were atheists. Because we don't pray. We don't read our Bibles. Uh, we will go a week before we ever think about where our Bible is. Well, I'm going to church. Where's my Bible? I find my Bible. Most of us now carry our Bibles in our front pocket because it's on our smartphone. I get that. But how often do we read it? In practice, we're atheists. We say that we know God, but in the words of, of, uh, of Paul to Titus, in works, we deny Him in the way that we live. And you may be among those who know God, You may be among those who, when we come to verse 3 of Psalm 100, know ye that the Lord, He is God, you shout and you say, yes, I know Him. I know this God. You may have a civil relationship with God. You may call upon God from time to time, and you're certainly not atheistic. But knowing God in a saving way results in you glorifying God and being thankful to Him as the source of everything in your life. And if your life lacks practical gratitude to God for everything in your life, where you recognize Him as the source of everything, good and bad, that happens to you, I have to question whether or not you're genuinely converted. Gratitude is one of the 
great indicators. Gratitude to God is one of the great indicators of our relationship to God. A lack of gratitude, I I think, is a symptom of entitlement. And we live in an entitlement era, don't we? People feel like they're just entitled to anything and everything. We, We think that we somehow deserve what we've received by grace. And I'm going to tell you something. The only thing lost sinners are entitled to is judgment and wrath. That's what I deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should walk soberly and righteously in this present evil world. My salvation is not due to anything that I've done. It is completely and all of grace. And so when David comes in Psalm 100 verse 4 and he says, Be thankful unto him. He is saying to us, one of the chief indicators of our lives in Christ, our lives with God, our relationship to God, one of the things that indicates that it's really real is the fact that I am grateful to God. I give Him thanks because all that I possess and all that I have is from His hand. But go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. You know that the ark has taken a 20-year journey. It ends up back in, in Jerusalem in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 1. And David writes a psalm. The end of verse number 4 Uh, David appoints ministers from the Levites at the end of verse 4, 1 Chronicles 16, to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. In verse number 7, he delivers the psalm to Asaph to thank the Lord. He begins the psalm in in verse number 8, give thanks to the Lord. And he ends the psalm uh, in verse number 34, oh, give thanks to unto the Lord. And then in verses uh, 38 and following, he appoints more ministers to offer sacrifices around the ark. And in verse 41, at the end of the verse, it says the whole purpose of this was to give thanks to the Lord because His mercy endures forever. That's the 100th Psalm. Psalm 100 and verse 4 and 5 is right there in, uh, in verse number 41 of 1 Chronicles 16. But this psalm helps us understand the way and manner in which we're to offer thanks. Offering thanks to God is not merely a recounting of His blessings, although it is that. But it's not merely that. It's much deeper than that. It's not merely sitting down and saying, Thank you for my health. Uh, Thank you for my family. Uh, Thank you that you kept us safe. Uh, Thank you for all of uh, the food that we're about to receive. That's all included in that. But it's not merely that recounting. The word be thankful in Psalm 100 verse 4 and the word that's translated thanks throughout 1 Chronicles 16 is a word that literally means to confess. Now it doesn't mean to confess in the sense of confessing your sins. Often we think of confession uh, as uh, something that we do in secret where we unload the dark places of our heart to God and we say, forgive me. That's not what this confession is. Confession, as it's used here with the word thanks, is the opposite of what Peter did 
when he was warming himself by the fire in the courtyard of the high priest. He's warming himself with those who were putting Jesus to death. And a young girl recognizes him and says, you're one of them. And he says, what? I'm not one of them. The young girl comes back and says, no, your speech betrays you. You've, you've got the accent of a Galilean. I know that you've been following this Galilean. He says, no, you're mistaken. I am not a follower of this man. A few minutes later, she comes back and she says, no, I know that you've been with this man. I can tell by your demeanor that you've been with this man. And the Bible says that Peter began to swear. It means... To swear in the sense of putting your hand to God. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Peter swears an oath. I mean, he really denies Jesus Christ. And what happened immediately after the third time he denied him? The rooster crows. And what did Jesus say? This night, the rooster will not crow before you have denied me three times. And that's what happened to Peter. That's the opposite of confession and thanksgiving and thankfulness as it's used in the Hebrew Bible. Confession means to identify with. When we recite the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed in our worship service, we're not merely reciting words. We're identifying with that statement. We are identifying ourselves with the church throughout all the generations of church history We're a part of this. For me to be thankful to God, first and foremost, means I am identifying with this man, Jesus Christ. I'm not denying him. I am confessing him. And after all, isn't that what Paul said? If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Confess means to agree with. It means to identify with. And so that's what has to be in your mind when you think about thanksgiving. It means ultimately that when I come into the presence of God or when I'm doing my private devotions, when I'm in a group of people and the name of Jesus comes up, am I ready to identify with this man? Am I ready to put my reputation and my life on the line by identifying with the people of God and with the Word of God and certainly with God Himself and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what it means to be thankful. Be thankful unto him. And how does David say that we are to do it? Verse 8, give thanks unto the Lord. 1 Chronicles 16, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Verses 8 and 9 parallel each other. Call upon his name, in verse number 8, parallels sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, in verse number 9. Make known his deeds among the people, in verse number 8, parallels, in verse number 9, talk ye of all his wondrous works. So David's using a poetic parallelism. He's putting the same thought side by side and repeating it twice in two different verses. This is how we approach God with thanksgiving. We call upon Him by singing unto Him, and our singing unto Him is a singing back to Him of His deeds, His works in our lives. 
So we thank God when we call upon His name, when we sing to Him. What are we singing about? His deeds and His wondrous works. You want a perfect example of this? The whole book of Psalms is a perfect example of it. But if you don't want to read the whole book of Psalms, it's not something you can do on a Sabbath afternoon, I don't think. There's 150 of them. How about you start with Exodus 15 and read the song that Moses and Miriam sang after God delivered them from Pharaoh, the horse, and his rider. That's the kind of song that talks of the wondrous deeds and wondrous works of God. We make known his deeds among the people and we talk of all his wondrous works. That's the manner in which we are thankful. It's about Him. Our thanksgiving is about Him and our unworthiness to even receive His mercies, and yet His mercies are new every morning. But what causes this? What causes us to be thankful to God? Well, 1 Chronicles 16, verses 12 through 22, divide themselves into two things that David is thankful for. He's thankful, first of all, For the works of God, in verse 12, 1 Chronicles 16, Remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. O ye seed of Israel His servant, ye children of Jacob His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God, His judgments are in all the earth. The very first thing that ought to be the catalyst The cause of our thanksgiving and our thankfulness is the wondrous and marvelous works of God. Now, if you've got an authorized version, you'll see in verse 12 that the authorized version says, His marvelous works. And in verse 9, it says, His wondrous works. Wondrous and marvelous are the same word in the Hebrew. You say, well, why did they translate them differently? Because in the context it certainly brings out two excellent points. We ought to wonder at how God does what He does. And we ought to marvel at how God does what He does. There ought to have been times in your own life when you've been overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, when you've evidenced the wonder-working power of God in your life. The works of God are wonderful and they are marvelous in the sense that they cause us to wonder, how did God do that? And they cause us to marvel at what God does. If you really want to see what David is getting at, look back at Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 20. Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 20. This is when God is calling Moses to be the deliverer of Israel from Egypt. Verse 19 says, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my, the King James says, wonders. All my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. Wonders. What are wonders? Well, what followed this? The ten, what? Plagues. God proved that he was in complete control of every sphere of the universe in those ten plagues. And he called them wonders. Look at Exodus 34. 
verse number 10. Same word, by the way, as marvelous and wonderful, or wonders, in, uh, in 1 Chronicles 16. Exodus 34, verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all thy people I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among which thou art, art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. The work of God, the marvel of God, the wonder of God is what we praise when we thank Him. But the best example of this is in the book of Jeremiah. Chapter number 32, and I want you to see it. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. The phrase in the King James that's translated, nothing too hard is the same Hebrew word as marvelous and wonders in the rest of your King James Bible. In other words, what we wonder at and what we marvel at when we are thankful to God is the hard things that we we say, I could never have done that. God does wonders when He does the impossible. And you think about the impossibility of a dead man living One of the greatest works that God has done, He did in the working of His mighty power, Ephesians chapter 1, the working of His mighty power when He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, in Ephesians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 2, that we are raised with Him, in the likeness of His resurrection. One of the greatest marvels and greatest works that God does that is absolutely difficult is the regeneration of a sinful soul and raising that sinful soul to life. Nicodemus was the greatest teacher of the Old Testament in the history of Israel. Jesus Christ Himself said so. Are you the teacher in Israel and you don't know these things, Jesus said in John chapter 3? And what was Nicodemus' question? Can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? How difficult is it for a man who's lived his whole life against God to suddenly have new life? Well, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a wonder and a marvel, this work. And so the, the, the one foundational work in your life that you ought to be most thankful to God for is the work of your salvation. He did it all. And it's a marvel. It's a marvel. It's a wonder that you're saved. It's a wonder that I'm saved. When you think about where you came from and where you were headed and the path you were on, it is an absolute miracle that you're saved. What happened? The Word of God happened. And that's the second thing that he's thankful for. 
He's thankful for the work of God, which is difficult to do, and only God can do His works. And we ought to think about the difficult things in our lives that God has overcome. But then He's thankful for His Word. Verses 15 through 22 of 1 Chronicles 16. He says in verse 15, Be mindful always of His covenant. Verse 15 says He commanded this covenant. Verse 16 says He made this covenant. Verse 17 says he's confirmed this covenant. What's a covenant? It's an agreement. It's a contract. You do this and I'll do this. And yet the covenant depends all upon God. And when God could swear by no greater, who did he swear by? Himself. He swore by himself. He said, I'm going to keep my word. And God keeps his word, verse 17, at the end of verse 17, as an everlasting covenant. Why is it everlasting? Why will it never be broken? Because it only depends on God keeping His Word. And God won't break His Word. God keeps His Word to you. In sunshine and in shadow, God is keeping His Word to you. His covenant, His oath, His covenant, His blood. Support me in the whelming flood. And so when you are overwhelmed by the cares of this life and the circumstances of this life, don't look at the waves boisterous. Look at the covenant. Look at the Word. Rest your soul on the Word of God. So I go back to the original one-sentence sermon at the beginning. One of the great indicators that you are numbered among those who have been genuinely converted is your gratitude to God for everything in your life. I hope this message has been an encouragement and a help to you as you seek to serve Jesus in the routine of your life. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at our website, RedeemerClarkston.com, and you can also send me a personal confidential email at paul at RedeemerClarkston.com, and I'll respond with some personal words of encouragement. Word and Praise Radio is an extension of the ministry of the church that I pastor, Redeemer Church of Clarkston, Michigan. More information about our church, like our doctrinal statement and our governing documents are available to you at our website at RedeemerClarkston.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen on this Lord's Day, and we invite you to tune in again next Sunday at 12.30 p.m. as we once again turn our hearts toward the Lord Jesus Christ in word and praise.